0: From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom DiOro, Principal of Podfather Media.
1: Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, I'd uh, like to welcome Lisa McLeod. Lisa is an advisor, consultant, and speaker who works with senior executives and sales teams around the world. She's also author of five best selling books and a sought after speaker known for her authenticity and humor. Lisa's work has been featured in Forbes, Fortune, and the New York Times. For more information, feel free to visit McLeod and more. It's M C L E O D and more.com. Hello, Lisa. Thank you for being on The Entrepreneur Show. Really happy to have you here. Thank you again. Thanks Such
2: again. a pleasure. Entrepreneurship yeah, is a subject near and dear to my heart.
1: Well, on that near and dear, Lisa, what prayer or quote or mantra do you, not to necessarily live by, but that really, really moves you through the day personally, professionally, or?
2: So I'll tell part? you, I have two things. Um, okay. One is the mantra of our business which is you don't have to choose between making money and making a difference. Profit and purpose are connected. You can have both and you deserve both. And that's the mantra for our business. And I'll tell you one of the other things is a quote that many people have said over the years that I stumbled upon many years ago was from Margaret Mead, where she said, never doubt that a small, thoughtful group of committed citizens can change the world because it is the only thing that ever has. And to me, those two together really form the basis of our business and what we try and help our clients with, which is you don't have to choose between the money and the meaning, the profit and the purpose, you can have both. And don't ever think that what you're doing, if you are a cog in a big machine, if you are a small entrepreneur, don't ever think that it's not having an impact because it is.
1: And on that impact and that small group of people, but those small group of people have to be very, very um, powerful within? What's your What's your feeling on how much of that profit and purpose is uh, is internal? It has to begin inside before it's actually manifest. It
2: does have to begin inside, but there's also some power in act as if, <laughs> because even if you grew up as I did with some really mixed messages about money, we all want money, but money's dirty. We wanna be rich, but rich people are shallow. If you grew up with those kind of mixed messages, uh, it's gonna start to confuse you. But what you need to know, and we have very clear um, research around this, is that individuals and organizations that have a purpose bigger than money, who truly wanna make a difference in the lives of their customers and constituents, actually wind up making more money. And it's very important to know this is true on an individual level. Research from Michigan State shows that this plays out with individual salespeople. It's also true on an organizational level. Organizations with a purpose bigger than money output from the market by over 350%. And so you may not feel like I can do both of those things, but the evidence says that you can. So act as if.
1: And that act as if, what's interesting of that, this is my opinion, if you think it's wrong, correct me or to say what yours is, is that acting as if is actually something, if you've kind of envisioned it, you really actually are. It just hasn't manifested itself in its in a, in a real form. Is that, am That's I reaching That's absolutely
2: is- true. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're going out there and you're making a sales call on a big potential customer, you have got to believe that I am here to make a difference to this customer and the money will follow. And the data tells us that's true. It's just like if you decide I'm going to be a better parent, act like you are and you will be.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how that, that, that act is. Uh, it kind of sounds like a little bit of a, a spiritual quest too. What's your feeling of that or you don't think so at all? I'm curious to hear your take.
2: If you okay. can't bring your spirit into your business, especially as an entrepreneur, your business is always going to be kind of boring.
1: And speaking of that boring, have you ever had clients who, who were, and maybe not necessarily boring, but were they, they came to you and said, look, Lisa, I don't know where to go. Like I'm at zero. Can you help and work with people who are even at that zero? Absolutely.
2: And what I would say is that most people who think they're at zero are at 0 probably aren't. I'll give you an example. We worked with a concrete company. So I wrote the book, Selling with Noble Purpose. They read it. They said, we think we wanna do this, but we're concrete. How are we gonna have this noble purpose? How are we making a difference? And when we drilled down into it, and this is a fairly large company and they've got dealers all over the country. When we drilled down into it, what we were able to identify was one, Concrete kind of holds up the world and (laughs) if you hadn't checked, it it does, but the other thing that we were able to identify was the way that they did business, that they're in this uh, commercial and residential space where they're contractors. And what we were able to identify was that most people don't have a very positive impression about contractors. And so if they could redefine the way their customers experience contractors, they were setting a whole new standard for their industry. So so often people think, well, I don't have a noble purpose. They think that's for like nurses and teachers. and, And that's true. It's more obvious there. But this concrete company was able to harness the power of having a noble purpose bigger than money, redefine their whole industry. Record earnings. They've become voted a best place to work. This is a blue collar company in Omaha, Nebraska. It was voted a best place to work for millennials. So take that, San Francisco, and they, <laughs> and it was because they said this applies to us too. And so that's part of my passion is to help entrepreneurs and people in not so sexy businesses do this.
1: There's a uh, an acronym that I've come up with. Then I call it. Um, uh, I forget it. I, I forget what it is. But it's actually it, the the word is. Uh, but my business is different. And you you you, you spoke of the concrete company and you know, healthcare. The truth is that concrete company has as much value, maybe more so. At least it's argument. You can argue for it as the the healthcare. Facility. That's right.
2: If you're doing something, if you've got a service, if you're making something, and your customers are paying for it they're getting some value from you. Otherwise you wouldn't have a business. So your job is to find that and elevate that to the level of a noble purpose. Then your job as a leader is to activate it in the hearts and minds of all your people.
1: How do you go about, unless it's a trade secret, kind of quantifying that value for your clients? Uh, you-
2: yeah. It is, its it, it, it's a, I wouldn't call it a trade secret because I lay it all out there in the book. So for 25 bucks, it's available to anyone. Actually, it's free right now because I'm going to tell you. Oh so gosh. the way that you find your noble purpose is interesting you use the word quantify. The first thing you need to do is take that lens quantify off. Because when okay. we try and quantify everything, we create a very transactional relationship with our customers. What you're looking for is both the quantitative and the Qualitative. And so the way that we help people find their noble purpose is an answer to three questions. How do you make a difference to your customers? How do you do it differently than your competition? And on your best day, what do you love about your job? And so when we ask that question of a leadership team, of customer facing people, of the customers themselves, buried in those answers is always the noble purpose of the organization.
1: At what point did you reach that, the word even, noble purpose?
2: It was interesting. I'll tell you how it came about. I was consulting with a client. I hadn't written the book yet. I was consulting with the client. At the time, I was working on the book, and I was going to write purpose-driven selling or something like that. And the particular CEO of this client was really frustrated with her sales team and she was saying, oh, they're just so transactional. They're just like a cash register. And I was going to try and help her fix the sales problem. And she said, um, you know, we just need to fix the comp. That's all salespeople care about. It's all they care about is the comp. And I kind of bungled around because I didn't believe that was true. And I was just starting on this research project where I was gonna prove that wasn't true, but I didn't quite have the research then. So I bungled around, you know, one of those meetings where you kind of start just blathering, you say the wrong thing, and she's like packing up her notebook going, thanks a lot for coming in, don't let the door hit you. So, you know, I totally blew the meeting. And I was so annoyed, I was annoyed at myself, and I was also kind of annoyed at her. Because the way she talked about her sales team, I was like, you're somebody's mother. You should know better than this. But I mean, I was really pissed off, quite honestly. And so I was talking to someone afterwards and I said, you know, she just needs to realize sales is a noble profession. And the second I said it, I realized it's more than just purpose. It's a noble, high-minded purpose about making a difference. And that later proved to be the thing that differentiates top sales performers. And the research study, a new study from Michigan State showed that salespeople with this sense of noble purpose, not only do they outperform their more quota-oriented counterparts, but they also have more resilience and they put forth more effort over time.
1: Lisa, this is excellent. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU, Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Lisa McLeod advisor consultant and speaker who works with senior executives and sales teams around the world her work has uh, been featured in forbes fortune and the new york times for more information feel free to visit mcleodandmore.com again that's mcleodandmore.com lisa if we stay on that that noble was it really that galvanizing for you to go aha i have it and then you just at what point did you actually formalize it and, and put it into your uh into your practice.
2: It took a scant decade to get the methodology right. Um, I started working with it right away because we were also working with purpose. But what I've learned over the last 10 years was that while this sense of noble purpose is innate to top performers, it is not limited to them. So we worked with over 100 companies over the last decade and put together a methodology so that organizations can name it and claim it, activate it in the hearts and minds of their people, scale it, and then become known for it in the marketplace.
1: Yeah. And on that 10 years is, um, I've discovered after a number of years that to make something so simple and actionable and have uh, a visceral impact in a person takes a a long time to make it that simple and that actionable. Is is that your experience as well?
2: It was because we knew we had this idea and we'd seen it and the research bore it out. And the top performers had a different story in their hearts. And so what we had to do was figure out how the story got there and how we could keep that story in everyone else's hearts and minds. And it went all the way down to the way you start your meetings, the way you coach your salespeople, the uh, way you measure customer success, the types of information that you put in your CRM. And it's about 50 little, seemingly little things that will change the ethos of an organization and take it to the next level. Because what we have to keep in mind is the current narrative of business is always going to pull you to the transaction. It's always going to be about the short-term revenue. And so when people first started doing strategy, they had to put things in place to force them to look longer term. So now when we're putting purpose into place, we're having to put things in place to make that as real and present as your sales targets and your financial metrics are.
1: Can you give an example? I'm sure you probably have several, but one in particular that comes out to where someone began with you and they were like the concrete company, where they started out like, just really like, woo, when you took a look in there and then and, and under the hood, you went, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. And then they experienced the, the, you know, the level of success that they've either expected or even exceeded. You don't have to name names. Oh, course, I will name they're, names they're, 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 because they're, they're, several
2: of our clients are super okay. generous and they let us put them in the book. So I'll okay. give you an example. Uh, one company is Atlantic Capital Bank. They are a commercial bank out of Atlanta, Georgia, and they were a good bank but they were an average bank and they would tell you that themselves. And the CEO read leading with noble purpose and came to me and said, this is what I want for my company. Can you do this? I said, well, yes, we can. <laughs> so, yeah. so over the course of a year, we worked with them to name and claim their purpose. And we did a number of things and I'll tell you, like I said, there's about 50 things we did, but I'll tell you what some examples were for them. One thing we did was their purpose is we fuel prosperity. That was what we landed on for the purpose. So it's very differentiated from we help our clients build wealth. You know, Prosperity is a little more benevolent, it's a little more community-minded. Then we said, so how are we going to activate that in sales? So each salesperson was trained to do a different kind of discovery with the customer to find out what prosperity meant to that customer, what was near and dear to that customer's heart when it came to their money. So you got a different kind of sales process. Then we started looking at different metrics. So instead of just being rewarded on short-term sales, people started being rewarded on customer retention and number of referrals. So the things that really indicate if we're doing the right thing with our sales teams. They also started making a point of telling what we call customer impact stories at the start of every meeting. So instead of starting the meeting saying, you know, we closed 10 new loans this month or this week, they start the meeting saying, we closed 10 loans. I'm going to tell you a story about how we made a difference to this customer. So that's how you start to change the story. Well, flash forward 18 months later, they've increased their operating income by 40%. They've been voted a best place to work, and the CEO is on the cover of American Banker for their turnaround, so, as he's voted a best bank in America. And the, the words, the language, is the tip of the spear. And once we change the language of the organization, then we start to change the cultures, and we start to change the processes, then we start to change the metrics. But naming and claiming that purpose is the first step. Then everything else follows.
1: How did you come up with that? When once you're able to name it and, and claim it? Because those are just two words, or it's actually three, name it and claim it, but incredibly powerful and moving internally and obviously externally.
2: Yeah, it becomes the North Star of the business. And one mistake a lot of people make with purpose, there's two mistakes. They make it too vague or they make it about their products. So we want to make a difference. woo No one knows what to do with that. Or they say, we want to be the number one provider of end-to-end services. Well, that's a goal, but that's not the North Star purpose. So your purpose is always about how you want to make a difference to customers. Another company that we work with is Dave & Buster's, very different from a bank. We worked with their sales team, the people that sell um, commercial engagements who would go out and get you to have your meeting at Dave & Buster's. And their purpose is we champion laugh-out-loud fun. So it's completely different but it came from asking those deep questions. How do you make a difference? How do you do it differently? And on your best day, what do you love about your job? And I guarantee you every company, if you take the time to ask those questions in every company we've worked with, we've found the purpose inside those.
1: Lisa, how often do you either enter right now, probably maybe not a lot, but, you enter a, a business or establishment or an organization and you can feel that you can help them. So, out of 10 businesses that you, you enter, you exchange uh, uh, introductions or meetings with, do you feel that I think I could really help them? But
2: You know, it's an interesting question because we've just started doing this virtually and it does work. And, and I can tell you more often than not, we can help people. And I'll tell you why, because they've usually found us. So they've they're looking for this. They've usually read something. They've read one of the books. So they're calling us. So I'll tell you the situations where it's been very difficult and we've not been as successful. And that is when senior leadership says, yeah, yeah, this purpose stuff, let's just put that over in H.R., now it's fine for us to start in HR and they've been great partners with us for implementing, but if the CEO isn't bought in, not to be fully bought in, but at least to some idea that we stand for something besides some transactional money machine that our firm makes a difference. If the CEO isn't at least bought into some idea of that, it's gonna be very hard. that That's the number one thing that would derail us.
1: Yeah. And to get that sort of buy-in, is that something that you obviously, you're used to having to address, but I would think uh, all CEOs would want that at the kind of the apex or at the, for lack of a better word, like at the soul of their business.
2: Yeah. That's what one CEO told me. The noble purpose is about unearthing the soul of your business and bringing it to life. It's about taking what is implicit in your business, how you help customers, and making it explicit. The, the challenge for a CEO, we have worked with CEOs of publicly traded companies. The challenge is the cadence of this quarterly capitalism. And at a certain point, we've got to embrace the both and. We have got to hit the numbers because that's what the market is asking for. And we also have to, in a backstage way to start, and then a front stage way later, embrace a longer view. And that's what purpose is. It's a longer view, and the best CEOs can manage that tension between the short term and the long term.
1: Yeah, it's incredible how um, how intrinsic all this really is. Is, is. is is Am I incorrect? Or
2: you're not? And it's and okay. what we always say is again, we're taking what's implicit and making it explicit because what is explicit in your business right now are your revenue targets, your production targets, and all of these numbers. What is sitting down underneath it are the thoughts and beliefs of your people. And that's where you have to start to make the move. You give me a team of people who believe that their work matters, who believe that they're making a difference to customers, and I will take that team every day over a more well-resourced team that is just in it for the transaction. That team of, we call them the tribe of true believers, the data tells us what we've all experienced in our hearts, that tribe of true believers will outperform a better resource team that doesn't have a shared belief.
1: Lisa, this is terrific. This is also the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU, Stanford 90.1 FM. Our public service announcement is for Black Lives Matter. I'm going to read their their About page. It's a Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murder. Black Lives Matter Foundation, incorporated is a global organization in the United States, UK, and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. For more information, feel free to go to blacklivesmatter.com. Again, it's blacklivesmatter.com. We're talking today with Lisa McLeod, advisor, consultant, and speaker who works with senior executives and sales teams around the world. Her work's been featured in Forbes, Fortune, and New York Times. For more information, feel free to visit her website at mcleodandmore.com. Again, it's mcleodandmore.com. Thank you very much, Lisa. Share with us your uh, our public service announcement before your uh, on your sec- recommendation or suggestion, share with us. Uh, you know why. It matters well, I'll
2: tell you. you why the Black Lives Matter movement resonated with me. And um, if you're listening to this, I'm a white woman. The reason it resonated with me is because it goes beyond the police violence. People want to be seen and heard. They want to feel valued. And I knew from all of my experience working with organizations and also working with schools, with children, that people have two fundamental needs. We want belonging and we want significance. We wanna feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves and we wanna know that we matter. And so when the Black Lives Matter movement announced, I thought this is, I, I can't believe there's controversy about this. This is basically people saying, We don't feel seen, we don't feel heard, we don't feel like our lives count. And what we're asking for you is to tell us that our lives count because all the evidence we're seeing is to the contrary. And I think this is the most basic of human needs to feel seen. And I would, I would suggest that the people who find the the message offensive are probably operating from a real place of scarcity. And what they're saying is, no one told me I matter. Why should I tell you, you matter? And we got to get beyond that. We have got to get beyond that. So that's why I chose that one.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Noble purpose versus even a higher funded or resourced organization, the outperformance. You shared a couple of times why that happens. But if we can take a deep dive into why that exists when somebody has a noble purpose versus an organization, or let's say, an organization has more a noble purpose collectively versus a more funded organization. In your experience, why does that really they just kind of kick their kick their behinds?
2: So I'll give you, I'll tell you the exact reason why. Imagine you're a customer, and two salespeople are about to call on you, and right before they go into the call on you, the customer, they both have a conversation with their manager. Manager from company one says to their salesperson, your purpose is to close this deal. It's the end of the quarter and we need you to close it. Salesperson from company number two talks with their manager and their manager says, your purpose is to improve life for this customer. Our noble purpose is to make a difference in the lives of our customers. You go figure out how you can help them and you be as assertive as you possibly can about figuring out the biggest, best, boldest way we can help this customer improve their life and business. Which salesperson is going to do a better job in that sales call?
1: Yeah, obviously the one with a noble purpose. And boy, that's just you you got me not just loop, but it's 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 ingrained now. But I think it's actually it's useful in all facets of life. Not just business. But
2: absolutely is right? useful okay. in all facets. If I say and I, I want to put a bow on this business example, what I just described was which salesperson is going to be more effective, which one you want calling on you, you want the noble purpose one calling on you. And if the other one's from some big fancy company. It's not going to matter. You're going to go with the one who's there to make a difference for you. It also applies to other aspects. It's like parenting. I can assume my job as a parent is to wake up every day, get the breakfast, get them off to school, do this, do their Zoom classes, blah, 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 blah. Or I can say that my job as a parent is to create future leaders. Which one's going to call me to do a better job, the tactical or the aspirational? And, and what happens is as human beings, we gravitate towards the aspiration, towards the the tactical. Our hearts want the aspirational, but on a day-to-day basis, we gravitate towards the tactical because it has to be done. The challenge is to let the aspirational infuse the tactical. So if every day I'm making the dinner. Instead of just thinking, I'm making the damn dinner, I'm thinking I'm feeding the future leader of the free world. I think tonight's the night we're gonna talk about how to have a good conversation at dinner. It's just gonna go completely differently. And that same model applies to organizations.
1: Elise, this has just been outstanding uh, being here with you. What would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on that you, uh, that that you feel is important as well?
2: My counsel would be, don't wait. Don't wait for your CEO to get on board. Don't wait for your boss to get on board. Think right now in your role, big or small, how do you make a difference? How do you make a difference and how do you do it differently than anyone else? And if you can zero in on that for yourself, you will change the way your customers and your teammates experience you. And you will also change the way you experience your own work and your own life. You don't have to wait for anybody else. You can do it yourself right now.
1: Lisa, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on our show. I hope you do consider coming back on on the show really uh, very soon because uh, there's just so much more that you really offer people and I'd love to hear you share it. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Lisa McLeod. Lisa is an advisor, consultant, and speaker who works with senior executives and sales teams around the world. Lisa is also an author of five best selling books and a sought after speaker known for her authenticity and humor. Lisa's work has been featured in Forbes, Fortune, and the New York Times. For more information, feel free to visit McCloudNmore.com. That's McCloudNmore.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose driven entrepreneur or high performing game changer committed to ideas positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom DiOr.
0: The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos, chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at Again, that's interviews at